What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. This is Bill Allen. Today, I have an amazing guest, and I'm wrapping up this Veterans in Real Estate series. So this is the third episode. If you guys haven't listened to the first or second episode, make sure that you do. We have some incredible guests on here talking about mindset, their business, things like that. And today, I'm talking to a commanding officer, an active duty commanding officer in 05 in the military. This is somebody who commands hundreds and hundreds of people. So over 300 military and civilian folks that he's he commands. Um, and he's running a business that is doing uh, up to 10 deals a month in a turnkey business. Absolutely amazing. This is uh, a great show. Like I'm going to go back and listen to it because there's so many tips that he shared with me. Um, and he's also a speaker at Veterans Live. So I've been talking about it over the past few episodes. Veterans REI Live is a conference that we put on last year. It was a paid event last year. This year, we're making it 100% free because we're still virtual and we're not going to be in person. So you can go to veteranslive.com and check it out. You don't have to be military to attend. So all of my listeners should absolutely be there. It's going to be military vets speaking um, on uh, different strategies and things that they're doing. And then also um, speaking to military members. But um, if you're not military, it's okay. Um, all this, a lot of the strategies, techniques, and all that stuff will translate to you. So I hope you check it out. It's on May 1st, veteranslive.com. All right, without further ado, I'm going to introduce my guest, David Gutierrez. Absolutely amazing guy. Unbelievable episode. And I can't wait for you guys to listen. My name is Bill Allen, and I'm the leader of a group of elite house flippers and wholesalers called Seven Figure Flipping. We don't brag or show off our success, but instead let integrity and stewardship be our guide. We are dedicated to helping people unlock the freedom they desperately need. If you ask other real estate investors, they will say to keep your secrets quiet. But we believe in abundance, not scarcity. And that's why we are the elite. We are Seven Figure Flipping, and this podcast is our playbook. All right, everybody, we're back with the third episode of the series of Veterans in Real Estate. So if you haven't heard the first two episodes, go back two episodes, listen to episode one with Ryan Prophet episode two with Adam Whitney, and then come back to us and listen to this one. And we're just kind of like building on this idea of what it's like to be a veteran uh, or an active duty member and invest in real estate. Or really, if you have a full-time job, what are some of the things and struggles that you might go through and, and how can you get past that? So today I've got somebody who's got uh, a full-time job in doing big things in the real estate investment world. So Ryan Profit and Adam Whitney were kind of just getting going, just ramping up their business. And uh, the gentleman that I'm about to speak to today has got a bigger business going and really doing some some cool things and is in our uh, seven figure altitude group. So I'm really excited to talk to David Gutierrez today. So David, what's up, man? Hey, thanks, Bill. Appreciate it, bud. Uh, super excited to be here. Um, finally, uh, be able to be on your show, which is uh, which is an honor. So thank you for that. Yep. And you guys have a podcast too. So why don't we you do. share that real quick and just kind of invite anybody to come check it out after. So absolutely. So filling the storehouse is with, uh, you know, Stuart, my business partner, Stuart Grazier and, and myself, we've uh, had Bill on our show before. It was a great episode, ton of, ton of great content. Really our focus is, is faith, family, and financial freedom. Uh, three things that we're super passionate about, three things that our business is built off of. Uh, and it's really, you know, the, that's kind of the order of priorities in our life is, is honoring our faith. Uh, through everything we do through our service or our business families is, is huge we uh you know everything that we do is is for our families and and to really why this started our business the podcast everything was to create financial freedom which is the final pillar but it, it's it's to create really the time to give back to our family after a you know a 20-year military career being away a lot uh, we really wanted to, to to be around a lot more 
Yeah, you know, you you say that that freedom concept is exactly what when I when I took over seven figure flipping, we really wanted to build out this kind of freedom journey, this freedom concept. And uh, sometimes it's financial, a lot of times it's time, it's impact, it's a lot of those kind of things. Like, um, and recently I asked kind of inside the, the group, inside of our altitude group, what does freedom mean to to you guys, to the folks in our in our membership? And one one person responded to to this post and said, options. Like freedom is options. I just want the option that I can choose. So she, she specifically said, if I want to uh, go on a trip, I want, and I, we want to go at this time at this date, and maybe I want to fly first class. I just want to be able to do that and have the option to, to throw things, put things down and go do whatever I want to do and not have to be constrained necessarily by the time that I would have to spend in my W2 job or asking for permission or the cost of a trip like that, that is really a big burden on me and my family. So that was big for me. It kind of gave me this um, I don't know, like realization that it really is that, right? It's like just having options. Like money gives you that. The it's huge. Time freedom gives you that. All the kind of stuff that that we're doing. It's really, really cool. So, all right. Hey, before we get too deep in here, uh, so we talked about the podcast. What? Uh, give some background on you. So maybe your military sure. career, your family, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So uh, I'll start with with the most important, and then uh, go down. So you know, a Christian. Uh, really, everything that we do is is. Uh, based on that foundation and my family uh, of a wife and three beautiful children. Uh, it's, it's relatively quiet here right now that we would not be able to be doing this if uh, they weren't out doing other things. So I really appreciate my wife for, for taking them. She's not excited about taking my daughter to the dentist right now, but, but hey, that's part of it. Right. So I have three kids, a 10 year old daughter, and then I have two boys, a seven year old and almost five year old uh, sons. And uh, we have, we're currently stationed in Maryland. This is my final tour. I'm the commanding officer of a cyber unit out here. Uh, so been in for 19, almost 19 years in June, and then looking to retire here uh, next June. Um, so a year from now. And uh, basically, you know, pretty standard military career, been a lot of places, done a lot of things, done some war zone stuff, done some, uh, you know, OCONUS uh, travel and living. And, and then uh, for the last five years, I've been in Maryland. And, and this will be the, the culmination of a career uh, in the military. Meanwhile, as you talked about, you talked about options, right? And Stuart and I were Naval Academy roommates, been best buds for about 24 years. Uh, we, about three years ago, started talking about how to create options and opportunities for ourselves. And, and really, our one of the big goals that we have is to, either through education or providing hard assets, give folks within our network opportunities to create their own options so that when they come to either the tenure mark in their military career and they want to get out, they've created this other thing, whether it's real estate or investing, whatever it is that they can choose to get out or they can choose to stay in it. It breaks my heart to hear people say, well, I have to stay in. That's not a place I ever wanted to be. Um, or they could choose to stay in because they love it till retirement. And then when they get out of retirement, they, they don't have that identity crisis when they get out of, hey, I don't know what to do. I don't have any other options. I, I have to do this thing. Saying I have to do is uh, just not, not part of our lexicon or where we want people to be. So we started Storehouse 310, which is a turnkey provider. And, and that's just turned into other opportunities, right? As you know, you start one thing and then, you know, you start as a wholesaler and then you start doing multifamily and you start lending money and all these different opportunities come. So right now we're, uh, we've been extremely blessed to do business with some of your previous guests uh, that you mentioned. Adam Whitney in particular has been a, an amazing partner with us. Um, but we, we effectively buy rehab, sell turnkey properties. And then we've also done a couple of syndications and we're now looking in, into some other lending options to open to our network. 
Cool. I want to come back to that. Before we do, I want to, there's a, probably a lot of people listening that have no idea, like what we'd use abbreviations and talk about the military side. So I want to give some context to some of that stuff. So uh, OCONUS is outside the continental US. So it's outside the US if you're, if you're not uh, used to the abbreviations that we might use. And I'll try to explain them as we go. And uh, commanding officer. So explain to them, like, I don't think people really grasp how big of a deal that is and how many people, like, what, what it takes to get to that point. So if you could just take a minute to talk about what a commanding officer kind of means to you and how much of a challenge it is to get to that point in a military career. Yeah, you know, it's, it's really interesting because it's even, even after doing this for uh, about a year, it's always hard to uh, kind of grasp the, the position. It's something that, you know, command is something, particularly in the Navy, that, that you, you start your career and if you decide to stay in, it's something that you're always striving for, right? You're striving for that, that. And the first really opportunity that you have for that is as a senior officer, uh, which is for us as an 05, a commander, typically something you achieve around the, you know, uh, 16, 17 year mark. Uh, so it, it's it's a position that's available to you once you've been in for a significant amount of time, almost two decades, and at least in, in, in our case. And uh, I am the overall responsible and have overall authorities over 320 plus sailors and civilians within within my command. Uh, their job is to do the mission. My job is to ensure that I empower them to do the, you know, achieve their highest and best. But I'm also responsible for discipline and, um, you know, everything from from uh, pay issues to uh, just recently, you know, there's a uh, this has impacted directly impacted our accountability groups. I was I signed up to lead uh, an accountability group through seven figure flipping. And uh, unfortunately, we had a suicide. And that's a just a, a stark reality in the service nowadays is is the number of vets that um, that that choose that path, unfortunately. But but that really, I'm the overall responsible for everything for that, right? For taking care of the family, the sailor, the memorial, like all this stuff. Um, and it just takes precedence and priority of everything else. So it's you know there's a lot of good to it. There's a lot of difficult uh, things to it. You're effectively the CEO. You get paid no more. Uh, but you get a ton of additional responsibilities, which is a pleasure and an honor for for uh, to be selected to be in that position. And it's highly competitive. I mean, you're talking about, um, you know, 10 to 15 percent of your peers will be considered for and selected for for command, uh, depending on on what community you're in. So, so it's it's uh, it's definitely been an honor to to be selected to be a commanding officer. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, really cool. That's when you're a new officer, just kind of getting commissioned and, and setting up. It's um, you say, oh, I want to do 20 years of, uh, and then people get out, people change their minds, these kind of things. And it's, it's basically just like a big funnel. People just um, get whittled down and even just making, make, going from lieutenant, which is 03, the uh, third rank as an officer to 04 was a huge challenge in, in my time around that. It was, it was very competitive just to make a lieutenant commander and then making commanders even more challenging. And then getting selected for a commanding officer is not, uh, this is another board that's uh, that's run to select these folks. So it's really the best of the best, the kind of cream of the crops. Really amazing. I remember talking to my dad. My dad was uh, retired as a captain in the in the reserves, so he was a submariner. And he he said to me, he was like, "Man, my commanding officer tour, even as a reservist, he was like that was the most fulfilling tour that I'd ever done." And it's just having that uh, that job. You really want that job, Bill? He would tell me, and I was like, I don't know. Like as a time when I was. I was still active duty and considering getting out of the uh, out of the active duty and going to the reserve. And he, I was like, well, there's still an opportunity in the reserve to do that. And I still do have it. I still do have that opportunity. But I, I pretty much uh, 
um, told the told the squadron that I've that I've been flying with that I just don't want to be a, a South CEO, a reserve CEO of the squadron. I just don't have the time to give that job what it needs and give those sailors the time that that they need really. So um yeah, it's a it's a huge honor. And like you said, it's CEO. So that gives you some context of not only the caliber of the guest of, of David that we have, but um but really like the the amount of responsibility that comes with that. And so the next question that I have is you guys started this business, you guys uh, ramped it up and it's a turnkey provider. You're also doing a lot of other things. Um, how does that correlate? Like the responsibilities that come from being a commanded officer and some of the jobs that you've done in the, in the military, how does it correlate with, um, with business outside of the military? What are some similarities and some differences that you've seen that might help some other folks? Yeah, you know, it's really interesting. Uh, there have been, and I've intentionally kind of sat, sat down and, and really analyzed the, the crossover skills uh, because I, I wanted to, I didn't want to take this 20 year career and not intentionally take advantage of the things that I've learned and, and, you know, specifically in leadership, right? Communication, how you talk to your sailors, how you get things done, how, how do you, how do you coordinate with a group of, of men and women and get them to do something that, that, they don't want to do and that any really sane human being potentially wouldn't want to do. How, how do you get them to come together as a team, have them embrace the mission, have them uh, ultimately own the mission and then execute the mission and, and, and try to achieve success. And, and, and as you know, these things, I mean, even something is, is quote unquote simple as a single flight as a, as an aviator. And that is not a simple evolution, right? There goes everything from, from, packing a chute to whatever it is, whatever specifically it is to do to, to putting fuel in, to making sure screws are tight and things are, you know, fuel is filled and all that stuff is, is an evolution that if not done correctly, you potentially would, don't come back from that. And so to, to be able to uh, communicate that level of responsibility to a team and get them to effectively do the mission and do it on time and, and on budget and, and all these other considerations that you have as a business owner, but you also have as a, as a, uh, as a military officer, those things translate very well into the business world. And, and, and even things as simple as being on time. Now I was talking to a gentleman who's a part of a, another group that just completely respect and, and, and we were kind of going back and forth and he didn't give me a response on time. And he acknowledged that, I said, hey, in the military, we like to say, you know, to be early is to be on time, to be on time is to be late, to be late is to be left behind. And he asked me to explain that to him. But even the fact that just being on time, being present um, for your team, that one thing is, a, is just a, I think, something that a lot of people take for granted that we're, we're not given that luxury in the military, right? And so there are so many different ways that there's crossover skills, there's crossover ideals, there's crossover um, just fundamental things that we accept as normal in day -to -day on a day-to-day -day basis that can put you at a next level when you go into a purely uh, business or civilian organization, which I think is really good. You know, you mentioned time and with that, I, what I heard was respect, like respecting others' time just as much as you do your own. And so anytime you show up late, what you're basically saying is you're not as important as these other things that I have going on. And I struggle with that myself now, especially, you know, managing multiple businesses, kids, everything that we have going on. Um, I want to make sure that I, I, I do my best to be on time, but there's occasion that I'm late. And it's interesting because recently I heard somebody say, um, instead of apologizing for something, say thank you. And so when... Um, so when I show up to a meeting and I might be two minutes late, and maybe this is a technique that you guys can use to change the dynamic of everything, 
Um, but instead of saying like, I'm so sorry that I'm late, say, thank you so much for waiting for me. Or thank you for, um, uh, for being here on time. And, uh, and it's, it just changes the entire dynamic of what you're doing. So it was, it's a, it was a mindset shift for me to, cause usually I show up and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry that I'm late. I was, you know, there's some excuse in there or something that you were doing, but instead just thank them for their time and that they're understanding that you were a few minutes late and just keep going. And like it that. does really change the dynamic of it. Um, it's, it was a tip from uh, one of my mentors in a, in another uh, group that I'm in is really amazing to, to just kind of change that around and think differently. So, but respecting other people's time. And I've, I've had a conversation with a couple of my staff members lately of, um, of communication and, and calendar and like prioritization of their time and making sure that they're also respecting the other people that are in their world, because that is really, really important. It's not just your agenda that you're following. You know, when you're on somebody's calendar, it's your time and it's their time. And when you show up later, you don't, you don't accept something or you don't respond on time. Then basically what you're saying is I know that you're asking me for something, but it's just not as important about all the other things that I have going on. And if that's the case, then just communicate that and say, Hey, I'm buried right now. Um, when do you need this by, and can I get it to you by this date? So, um, you know, I, I want to talk a little bit about the demands that you have in your day with your family life, your job, which is, you know, over 300 sailors and civilians that you're managing and, and, and leading and in charge of, obviously stuff happens, things, uh, and, and you're also running a company, you have a business partner, you have all of this other stuff going on, a podcast, all kinds of stuff like that, right? So what I'd like to get across to some of the listeners is how do you do something like that? Like, because uh, I always hear, I don't have, you know, I got a full-time job, I can't do this, or I got a family, I can't do this. All the reasons why they can't do things, but there's perfect examples out there. And I've brought multiple on the podcast over these past, you know, three episodes or more. And those people are doing it and can do it. So it's possible. What are some of the, like, what does your day look like? What are some of the tips that you have? Um, it's just, let's talk through that. Yeah. So I think it starts with there, the two kind of things popped up when you said that it's prioritization and communication. Um, and really, so when I start my week, I look at the things that are our top priorities to me. And, and, and I really, you know, one of the things that I've always been told is you look at your pocketbook, or I'm sorry, you look at your calendar and you look at your checkbook and that'll identify for you what exactly is most important. So when I open my calendar, the things that I, and I list all this stuff out, right? So at, at, at 4.21 in the morning, I get a reminder that says focus. Well, that focus, what it is, and it's every single day, it's been this way for the last like however many years, the focus is all spiritually based. It's, I've got a couple of verses that are key that, that I want to focus on throughout the day, every day. And, and, and the opening line is, is something that, you know, I, I read this every day to just kind of, again, to, to get the focus started. And it says, Lord, let me make a difference for you that is utterly disproportionate to who I am. And, and I read that every day because that's, that's the goal to, to be able to, to influence or impact in ways that I, I myself just don't, because I don't have the personality to do it. I don't have the charisma. I don't have the potential, the words to communicate or whatever it may be. Um, so that's number one focus. And, and that means that's my dedicated time to get into the word uh, as, as my top priority, my faith. And then PT PT is, is something that I'm passionate about. It's, it is a part of who I am. And if I don't PT in the morning, like it's, it's not good for anybody. Right. So You're going to have to explain what that's. Sorry. Like. Sorry. Not physical therapy. Uh, although that's coming soon too, cause I'm getting old, but, uh, but tr working out, 
you know, physical training, working out. So every morning, whether it's a cardio workout, a lift or whatever it is, that's got to be a part of my day. Uh, and, and so that's maybe a, whether, whether that's a five thirty workout or whether that's a, an eight o'clock workout, I know that I've, I'm, I've booked it. And then I just get into the things that are, you know, before I get to work, uh, try to, you know, Stu and I typically have a daily call. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about the things that are priority for that day for the business. Uh, I'll make, I try to make morning phone calls with people that I really care about, show them, you know, through communication and effort that they're on my mind. Is that difficult? Uh, absolutely. But, but it's important. And, and then I get into work and usually I'm into work around seven, seven thirty uh, to the Navy and, and just get after it at that point. Right. And so then, as you know, you show up to work, especially as a, as a CEO or leadership position, you may have some calendar planned out. Uh, but, but that is uh, completely destroyed as soon as you walk in the door. Uh, one thing that I also have on my work calendar that is a non-negotiable from 12 to one o'clock every day, I, I have it blocked out and that's called my uh, per professional personal development time. And that'll be a time I step out of the office, go down to the car, either read a book uh, or, you know, go for a little walk or whatever it is, things that, that it's a intentional time for me to focus on being better in some way. And then from there, uh, you know, go through the rest of the day, come home. And, and when I talk about priorities, I'm trying to be out of the office by, you know, four o'clock every night so that I can get back home and be with the kids. And that's when, and, and that's, and I fail at this. And I know you've talked about this in the past, but having a box to put the phone away in and, and really dedicating that time, give it to my family, show them my intentionality in uh, not having distractions and, and just be present for them. And then usually that wraps up after bedtime around nine o'clock and I'll usually do some business calls or, or um, you know, some other thing with storehouse to, to kind of wrap up the night and then uh, hopefully in bed, before, you know, nine 30, 10 o'clock to start all over the next day. 421 in the morning, getting up, getting, getting to work. It's, it's interesting because we just heard the same thing from Adam Whitney four to seven 30 or so is his time to work. And then he goes to his full-time job, right? And when I got started in this business, I was in the office for two, three hours in the morning, two, three hours in the evening. And that's the time that I had to do. So I think it's about dedication and commitment that, I mean, you can see, you can hear in your schedule, it's very regimented. It's, you have time blocked in and there's probably things that adjust and fall into place. I'm also surprised that you and Stu have a call every day. That's, that's really impressive. Why do you guys do that? And what, what does that do for you guys uh, as business partners? Yeah, so there's a couple of things. So, so first and foremost, we're we're best friends, right? So, I, we we spent a lot of time. I mean, we didn't start a business with each other until we knew each other for almost 20 years. Um, and I'm not saying that that's like the requisite, you know, somebody for 20 years. And but but it just highlights the fact that we were very close. We knew each other extremely well. We knew each other's families, and then we went into a business venture, and 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 a lot of open communication there. Um, but we enjoy talking to each other. We enjoy the fellowship. There's a lot of laughter. Uh, typically, I'm laughing at Stu. I mean, you know, Stu, you make fun of Stu, and it's and it's easy, right? It's super easy. But but there's a lot of laughter. There's a and then there's things that we just know that we have to get after. And and because we're so we have so much on our plates, um, we we kind of have to talk to to figure out who's doing what that day. And and we we have pretty clear lanes on 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 what we do, but. But we like to at least communicate that so we're not, you know, uh, duplicating effort 
that when he's out doing something, I, he's not answering emails that I'm answering. And when he hits send, I'm like, well, I just wasted all that time. Right. We talk literally about the people we're each going to reach out to conversations that we're going to have the things I'm going to deal with things he's going to deal with. And, and it's just about that communication. One thing I left off in the last part, um, the communication, communicate with your wives and your family. It, it is not, it, there will be conflict and there will be friction when you're like, Hey, uh, I've got a podcast today and your wife says, well, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you put that on the calendar? I would have covered for you. It's a lot easier to say, Hey, next week, I've got a podcast at two o'clock on Wednesday. And, 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 and that makes things way more smooth. So communication is also key in all of these relationships in order to hit those priorities and, and uh, potentially run a business. Yeah. I've seen you two on, um, I, I, while you were saying that you're like, we just get together every day. I could just imagine you guys just smoking and joking, laughing. And I'm like, does any real work actually get done on yeah, this? Rarely. <laughs> making fun of each other for a little bit and then laughing. And then, uh, but it's it's fun to see your guys' kind of interaction together and how it, it is playful and it's fun. And you guys just enjoy kind of, uh, I don't know, ripping on each other a little bit and just laughing. And that's cool to see because it's not all business all the time. Like we have to have fun in what we do a lot of times. And that's something that I feel like I lost over the past few years was kind of just getting into this, like you lose, you do so many deals, it becomes like almost second nature and you don't even actually celebrate it. It's kind of like, you that's the expectation of you and your team and it's all serious and I'm always dealing with problems and issues and things like that, that I never actually like just sit down and have some fun. So fun was something that I'm trying to do more of, I'm trying to actually build that into my life, friends, fun, family, that kind of stuff. And really the, the because the business and the, the financial stuff is kind of taken care of at this point for me. I'm in a different place than, than I was before. And I used to have a lot of fun, but I didn't have any money and I didn't have a business. I didn't have anything else. And so finding a balance there this year is really important to me. And I'm, I'm, in, I'm enjoying it right now. There's a lot of things that I'm doing that is really fun. Like one example, I've been telling my team this, and I don't think I've shared it on the show yet, but we bought this farm and we've planted like over a half acre of of orchard trees and produce. We have like 120 fruit trees out there that are just like stick fruit trees right now. They're starting to flower. We have uh, two full-size horses, a mini horse, and we have 33 chickens in the in the chicken coop. So every morning I wake up early too, like you. I, I don't have an exact time, but usually my eyes open somewhere around 5 a.m. And I, I get up and it gets, it gets light out about six. So from five to six, I can catch up on some uh, business things. Uh, I can, you know, plan my day. Uh, get set up, all that stuff. And then 6am, I go get dressed and I go out to the farm now. And I just kind of walk, I let the mini horse out of the stable, let her go out in the field and eat. I check the water, I open the door for the chickens, let them run around for like 30 minutes outside in the grass for a while while I'm there. They're still little, so I'm afraid they're going to get eaten by something if I'm not there. And then I just walk down each row of these, of this orchard garden. It's about it's about 150 by 150, or it's like 200 feet by about 150 feet right now. And I just walk down 150 foot rows and I just look at, at the differences that I saw from the night the day before. And what it does is it just takes me back to this, like, I, I don't know, I, it's just, it's so calming and quiet and keeps me in the present instead of the future. And just thinking about all the things that I have to do. It's really, really cool to do that. And so it's been enjoyable for me. And then bringing people over there, showing them around, letting them experience that stuff, you know, see, I, I there was a little girl at 13 years old. She was like, I've never seen a real chicken before. And, uh, I was like, me That's neither. Awesome. <laughs> so she's like picking up, she's in the coop, like grabbing two of them. And by the end of the half hour, she was like in love, wanted to come back the next day. So 
it's really cool to to find something where you can still have some fun, I think. And I see you guys do that and it's it's, it's really nice to see and uh, reminds me of you know, like being back in the squadron and being active duty again where uh, you're on deployment with your buddies and just kind of messing around all the time. So when I, I think you hit a good point too. Sometimes you have to remind yourself to do it, right? I mean, there are plenty of times where there's a lot of pressure. There's a deal goes bad. We lose money. We talked to our CPA and we're like, man, this isn't where we thought we'd be. Um, you know, I'm fresh. I got to fire a contractor, you know, we're frustrated with different things. And, 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 and I'll tell you a lot of times what we do as a team, we do a weekly meeting as a team. And one of the things that's a, that's a staple at, at the conclusion of the, of the meeting, we pray together. One of us, we, we, we rotate who does it and, and we pray. And, and that puts you in a different, a lot like you talked about the, when you show up to a meeting late, you thank people, right? It, it's the mindset. It's the words you use. It's the power of the actions that you're doing. And it, it, it sets the tone. It's hard to be, you know, how, how do you pray for somebody and their success and, and their well-being and be mad at them? Like, it's, it's kind of hard to do that. Um, but beyond that, a lot of times, and this is kind of my role, is when things start getting a little bit, like, I'll just reach out to each member separately we'll have conversation, you know, we bring light to it. You can make, you can almost bring laughter to every situation. I mean, if not every single situation, even the, even the toughest times, um, there's some laughter in it and you can find that you just have to identify it. Uh, and, and I, and I think it's important to be very intentional and maybe you're not that kind of personality, but you can still at least bring light to a situation. You don't have to sit in the negative. And I think it's a, an important point. So I, I envy you on being able to walk through the, you know, the orchard and, and see the growth and, and you're, you're basically meditating, right? You're, you're setting yep. the framework for your day and, and there's a lot of beauty in that. Do you watch that? Uh, you end up watching that documentary? The biggest little farm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank you for that recommendation. I've watched awesome, it right? twice and I absolutely love it. And I would recommend it to anybody listening. So uh, yeah, David yeah. recommended it to me and, and somebody else did. I think Jennifer Ross also recommended it. it was, I got it. I, I heard it like two or three times and I was like, all right, I'm going to check this out. So, yeah, um, and I think you were probably the nail in the coffin to make me watch it. And I loved it. I, we bought it on Amazon prime or Amazon. And we've been, we've been, I've been, I'll watch it. I don't know, once or twice a month. I think it's just really cool to see. And, uh, now we actually have it, like, it's really cool to, to look out there. And it was, it took about three or four months to get that thing from January to now and get it to a place where it is. And I'm just really excited about it. And you're right. It is like meditation. I, sometimes I just sit next to the chicken coop and listen to the chickens, just kind of like, uh, make noise and stuff and kind of walk around and just sit there. Cause I mean, the sun, it's, it's a North South facing property and, and it's, it's like, it's basically a big postage stamp. So the sun comes up on the East over the trees, right on, right there. And then it also sets right on the west side of the property, basically, um, on, and our house is on the north side. So you kind of can just watch the sun come up right there in the morning. It's, it is very peaceful, especially with the weather being as nice as it is now. That sounds awesome, so, man. It's great. And I, I'd say I'd encourage everybody to find something like that. Like it took me, a, I don't know, it took me a while to kind of just figure out how to unplug from stuff. Like today, I, I leave my phone in the house when I go do that usually. Um, like this morning and even last night I, I, we went on date night and I left my phone in the office on accident. It's like the best thing I could have ever done. So I came back to 18 text messages, like six uh, Facebook messages and a bunch of emails that would have been like beeping during our date night dinner where I didn't even, I didn't need it. Nothing was urgent. Nothing was on fire. Um, our nanny has the number for Lucy. So it was just, it was nice to, 
come back to that and go, oh, okay, well, this is what it would have been like had I had I not left my phone. I would have checked all that stuff probably or at some point looked at it, whether it was when I went to the bathroom and, and, or something like that. So, um, and that changes your state, doesn't it? Like you get a yeah. message where it's something negative or something happened or you get a little bit of frustration, it changes your state. So just pause that change of state until you're in the right moment to, to take it. And I think that's important. You, you mentioned something just now about the, the prayer that you guys do. Uh, like you can't be really upset and angry and still have gratitude at the same time. So a lot of the times of showing gratitude and doing those things, when I get into a state where I'm angry, I'm frustrated, I really like write somebody a thank you note or call somebody or send a, a nice text message to somebody who I'm grateful for totally changes how, uh, how I, I'm showing up the rest of the day. I can see it. Like I'll be up there. My kids are playing with me. They're asking me a question. I get a message from somebody who has something that should have been done. That's not done. Or, or, you know, there's an upsetting message that I get. And I just totally go to a place of next thing, you know, I'm taking it out on my kids or my, or my family, you know? And so separating that is really important. Um, yeah. And I think it also an important point to that is, is you don't know it. It may not be immediate unless you have, you know, you have somebody, <clears throat> excuse me, that's very uh, open in this way. But it, that person that you're with, wh whether it's your kid, your wife, uh, whoever it is, um, business partner, when you show them that they're worth you putting something away and they're worth that focus, it changes the dynamic there as well, right? It, it changes their re receptivity to conversations. It, it changes the whole dynamic of them and empowering them to, to know, Hey, you're important to me. You, you are my focus. You're the priority. And I think people, regardless of who they are, how cool they think they are and how important they may be, everybody thrives to be, to have that attention, to be focused on, to be important. And, and we all have the power and the influence to, to be able to do that. I know there's nothing more uh, heartbreaking. You're playing with your kids, your phone beeps, you pull it out and your 10 year old daughter says, daddy, can you put the phone away, please? And it's just like, ah, that, that's, that's, that's the worst place to be. And I'll tell you uh, how the words have power. One of my favorite illustrations is um, I listen to Rick Warren a lot, pastor of Saddleback Church out in California. And he said, you know, you can control, you know how you know you can control your anger. You're fighting with your wife or somebody you're in this fight and the phone rings. You're like, hello, you, you, immediately, right? Immediately you change your entire demeanor, your attitude to answer the phone. So you can do that whenever you choose to do that. Yep. Yeah. And it works both ways. Right. Yep. So, um, that's it. It only takes one to change the whole dynamic of everything that's happening. Um, and I, I've learned that, uh, firsthand. So, um, what do you think about like in this real estate world, you you've worked with and networked with and, and been around a lot of military folks that are getting into real estate and kind of ramping up their business. Um, do you think that they have an advantage over the civilian population? And if so, like, what do you think it is about them that, um, that makes them successful in what they do and how could others kind of learn from some of that? Yeah. You know, I think, um, at least in my experience, uh, what I've seen is we, we speak a common language, so we're naturally drawn towards each other or naturally drawn towards vets. Like, you know, if you and I met on the street, uh, without even knowing what we do from our businesses, we, we would immediately have a bond on the military side, right? And and I think that there's there's a, a huge benefit in that. And and most of the times we also rise to the challenge of those that are that are like us. So like a, we may not intentionally be like, well, I want to compare myself to Bill and I want to do what Bill does, but you know how many listeners does this podcast have or whatever, right? 
and, and there's a natural sense of, of uh, competition. I think you get that with a lot of military folks, but, but there's also, and I shouldn't say I don't see this on the civilian side because I would be disingenuous. I've been in the military for 20 years. So my, my experience uh, on a purely civilian environment is, is limited. But a lot of the folks that we deal with, they're, they're action takers. And that's a big difference is they are willing to take a risk and they're willing to, to, to pull the trigger and, and move forward on something, right? There, a lot of times the analysis paralysis only goes so far and they're like, okay, let's take action, let's do it. And, and they're uh, a lot of times because of the skill set uh, are decisive. They don't need as much uh, input into the solution. They don't need a, a 80, 90% solution. They could maybe operate on a, you know, 50% or less to make a decision, move forward, adapt and, and, and adjust whatever strategy is that they're uh, pursuing in real estate. Uh, they're able to do that. And, and, and the crisis factor too, you know, when, when you get a text or 50 texts and they're negative and you contextualize that against uh, potentially being boots on ground, getting shot at, you know, it's, it's, it, it gives you at least a framework from which you can uh, kind of take a deep breath back it up a little bit and say, okay, this is not that big of a deal. This is not a crisis. We can, we can handle this. Here's four different COAs and you go forward. So I just feel like there's an advantage because the military is so, there's so many frameworks from which you can draw on. And that can also be, but that can also be to detriment, right? That, that can also kind of handcuff you a little bit to process or anything. So I don't want to make it sound like, um, cause you're in the military, you have this this great advantage, but there are different ways that, that I think that we are able to shine, uh, particularly when, when, uh, adversity strikes. Yeah. I've seen some data on military entrepreneurs being like hyper successful in entrepreneurship because of uh, their background. And a lot of those things that you said, um, one thing that, that I'll kind of just add on to that, as you were talking, I was thinking like, what trying to put myself back in the shoes of when I got started. And it was really belief in myself. I think we have a lot of like, belief and trust in our abilities over time. It's just kind of been like hammered into us. Um, you have to trust your decisions. You have to go with it. You have to be able to, uh, to make a quick decision and then be able to, like you said, adapt and, and flex into the right situation and just go and then figure it out as you go along the way. And you're constantly like blazing trails and learning new things and stuff like that and having to just get new responsibilities and new jobs that you, you don't understand, you don't know. Um, they don't give you the whole answer, right? You have to go find it and figure it out along the way. And um, I think a lot of that is just that that kind of belief in yourself. And it's been um, it's been pushed on us that, especially as officers specifically, is we have to we have to lead these people. We have to be like there's nobody. Everybody's looking at us all the time to make the decision. We make the call. You know, we don't get to. And sometimes there's not a rule book for it. You know, you just, you have to make a decision. And then if it's the wrong one, you got to stand at the long, at the end of the long table and explain why you made that decision with the information that you had at the time. And you didn't have, you know, the, the next week that you guys have all looked at this and analyzed the numbers and the data and the weather and all that stuff. Um, we, uh, we crashed a helicopter in England when I was a test pilot school and it wasn't like a really bad crash, but we smashed the crap out of the tail of a little gazelle, a French helicopter, three blade French helicopter. Um, and we were doing engine off landings. This is a helicopter where when you pull the engine back, um, it, it doesn't have a clutch that can that snap the engine back on. It takes so long for the engine to come back online, spool up and get the transmission. And so you're basically like turning the engine off in a helicopter at like 500 feet and committing to this landing. So we were testing the profiles. So different heights and speeds 
to determine what would be safe for another student to go out and do it. So what's so we we start in the safe zone and then we move out to the unsafe zone and we get too unsafe, we come back in a little bit, and then we move out to a different height and a different speed and all that stuff. And I was just taking data for a buddy of mine because it was his test flight. And usually it's an engineer, but they didn't even have enough engineers. So I was flying with him. And the first one he did, I said, I said, he, I looked at him and he goes, what's up? And I said, well, I felt a little low. Um, he's like, oh, I mean, that's how I flare. That's how I do my engine off landings. And I was like, all right. So we went, you know, the next 30 minutes and sure enough, the wind changed. We shifted to another landing site and he went in and just smashed up the tail, you know, just crushed it, like totally destroyed the, I mean, we, we, he went back to shut it down. He went back to idle. I got out, walked around and was like, whoo, this thing is crushed, man. Shut it down. And, um, and so we had to explain like what we were doing, why we were doing it, how we felt, all these things. And I mean, he, it was just a, uh, at the end of the day, it's like, what happened? You just have to say, here's everything. These are the decisions that we made. So a lot of it was, why did you guys shift and adjust the runway and make changes and not do a practice instead of going right back to the test? We should have done a practice, all these different things. So um, I think we make very quick decisions where we believe in ourselves. We know that we can do it. And I think that can translate very easily to everyone else out there that's listening is think back to your experience, to your time in anything, whether it's sports or, or growing up or another job, like what, what kind of skill sets do you have that you can leverage in your business to start it or grow it, um, determ- depending on you. Like a lot of what we're doing is like David and Stu's business looks very different than mine. Like they're going to set it up. It's probably pretty similar, especially for the military background, but they're going to set it up that suits them to their skill set, their abilities, uh, the way they want to operate their business, that, those kind of things. Mine is going to look a little bit different. It's going to be off of my, uh, my strengths and my weaknesses, and my team is going to look a little bit differently. And so yours is probably the same thing. So, um, you know, I, I know we're getting kind of long here, so I, I do want to wrap it up. But what are, so, like, where are, you, what are you guys doing now? Like, what's next for, for you guys, and, uh, and what's the plan? Yeah, so we, uh, you know, we came into this business wanting to be able to uh, one run a, a viable business and create options for us as we approach retirement. Um, but it's, it's very important for us to be able to create opportunities for our, our network of folks, which a lot of them look like us, right? Military folks and, and uh, um, looking to create additional opportunities for themselves so they can have options. What we have, we've been extremely blessed in the, in the process and, and we've, uh, developed a bit of a wait list for for our houses and and so we're looking to pivot now um, to maximize the opportunity for that for that wait list so they can use their money so they can invest so they can do things and, and what that potentially looks like is different types of deals bigger deals but you know maybe um, uh, a fun type model or or you know additional syndications like just bigger deals where you can take more money and and leverage it to to create opportunities for, for these individuals. So now we're, we're still doing the turnkey thing, right? We're, we're always looking to do more deals. We'd love to do 10 a month. That's still a goal. Um, but, but we're also looking at different, uh, what's been awesome. We're looking at other military entrepreneurs who are doing bigger deals and different deals. Uh, we partnered with, uh, in the past, we partnered with uh, some army vets and, and took down a couple of mobile home parks, which was, was awesome. And, but there's a no- number of folks in our network that just, are looking at these bigger deals. And if we can create a way that folks can invest in them, and it's this just, you know, military folks helping military folks, 
uh, to do these bigger deals and create opportunities, that, that would be ideal. That'd be a dream come true. So we're working through the legal frameworks right now and, and uh, uh, the logistics of being able to create opportunities, bigger opportunities for folks. That's awesome. I know we've been on a couple of calls kind of trying to uh, talk through some of that stuff, like what, what are you guys going to do? So I'm excited to see what, what comes of it. What um, you spoke at uh, veterans REI live last year. So you guys spoke about turnkeys, uh, storehouse 310, what you guys are doing and you guys are going to speak again this year. What are you going to talk about this year at the event? Yeah, I think this year is going to be more mindset uh, focus. And, and really I think mindset plays such a, it's kind of a squishy topic, but, but I think people can be very intentional in what they read, what they do, uh, where they spend their time to develop the, the, uh, the mindset to, to look for the abundance around them, right? And, and that'll also feeds into a lot of the opportunities to, to take action and, and to not be paralyzed, as we were talking about earlier. So we're, we're, I think we're going to focus on, on um, our mindset and how you, how you can intentionally develop something that inherently is, is somewhat, you know, is a softer skill. Because uh, there's a lot of things you can do to be intentional about that. And whether it's the words you use, the coaches you pursue, the conversations you have, your network, the people you surround yourself with, these are all very uh, real tangible actions you can take that ultimately will drive to uh, an abundance mindset, which the power of that, as you know, right, once you get out of some of that scarcity and the limiting beliefs, I mean, you're unlocking potential that you don't even know you have. And, and so that we're super passionate about that. We've seen it change other people's lives when they maybe buy one house from us. And then, you know, a couple months later, they're locking down syndications and doing multi-million dollar deals. I mean, all this stuff is possible. And we believe that, that anybody can do it. You just have to, um, the first place that starts is up here, right? Get over those, those uh, barriers. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to, to listen to that too, because I'm always constantly changing and evolving over time. And um, it, all, all of these things, these ideas, I get challenged all the time to kind of think about, um, like just, just a couple of days ago, somebody came to the farm and looked at that garden and went, you don't ever do anything small, do you? And I was like, no, I don't. But it made me really think about why that is. Um, is that okay? Should I be doing this? Like, I mean, we're talking about one acre garden and I can't even keep anything alive in my house or outside my house right now. So, um, you know, why do I always go big and be, because I want to impact more people. Like I want to bring out, we're going to feed 30 families this year, not including our own and on a weekly box delivery subscription from that garden and that orchard. So it's really cool to, to be able to do that. And their kids are over there. They're, they're playing with the chickens. They're helping with the horses. They're, they're planting. My son is over there with his, his friend right after school, like planting strawberry plants. We're doing 1,650 strawberry plants that day. And he's awesome, there. Man. And then the next day, these little kids come over and he says, hey, I want to show you the strawberry plants that I planted and ran over to the exact row that he planted for the you know half an hour that he was able to sit still and do it. But and that's why. That's why I want to do it. Because so many people, it's almost like we're building this little agricultural neighborhood right there in the, in the back of our, our subdivision, right? So um, all right. So if you want to attend Veterans REI Live, you can. If you're listening to this, then you can go to the event. You don't have to be a military veteran. Obviously, we want as many uh, active duty, uh, reservists, uh, previous military vets there, spouses, all of those folks. But um, we've opened it up this year. Anybody can attend. Uh, it's 100% free. All you got to do is go to veteranslive.com. You can sign up. It's, it's totally free. We are going to have a panel of military speakers. Every speaker is either active duty or previous military member or a spouse of a military member. And it's going to be directed towards military members. So we're going to be talking 
like you all are military members listening. So how to use the VA loan, house hacking, uh, growing a business mindset, short-term rentals, uh, rental properties, multifamily buildings, wholesaling and flipping, raising money, um, fur strategies, hiring, training, managing people, all that stuff. And we're going from this like 101 type model the first year of you know, what is wholesaling, what is flipping to more of a 201, like how do you really grow from where you are to where you're going? So it's going to be an awesome event. You go to veteranslive.com. If you're listening to this, I am probably in Cancun for the week um, right now, laying on a beach somewhere, masterminding with the rest of the seven-figure altitude and seven-figure runway members. If you are wishing that you were there, you should be there and you're missing it. Um, maybe you can catch us in July at our next meeting, uh, which is going to be in uh, Utah, I think. I think we're in Utah in July. So. Um, and for everybody else, if uh, I don't know if we're going to have a podcast in a couple of days, we will be in Cancun, but I'll probably uh, figure out if we have some great, maybe I'll do a, a podcast from Cancun and launch it on Thursday or something like that, just to give you an update of what we got going on and all the cool stuff we're doing. Um, Dave, how can they find out more about you uh, other than the podcast? Yeah, so podcast is great. If you go to storehouse310turnkey.com, it has all of our stuff. So there's uh, uh, links to access us directly. There's links to YouTube, uh, Instagram, you know, all the all the grams and the instas and the, uh, um, you know, the podcast. So that, that's probably the best place to go. Cool. Well, hey, thanks for hanging out with me. And I look forward to seeing your presentation. It's on, oh, that event is May 1st. Go to veteranslive.com, May 1st, uh, sign up. It's all day on a Saturday. We made it that way. So anybody with full-time jobs, active duty military folks like that, they can show up. So we're all taking a Saturday away from our family, away from our friends, all that stuff uh, to be there to give to you. We are also doing it from here in the studio. We have an awesome virtual platform that we use for our multifamily event that we just did. It's absolutely amazing. And we even upgraded it a couple more levels over the last couple of weeks to make it even better. So um, go to veteranslive.com. I'll see you guys there, 100% free. I cannot wait for it. So David, yeah, thanks thank for hanging you, out Bill. with me. I'll see you, man. No, it was great. We'll see you there. What if you could raise $500,000 of private capital in the next 30 days to fund your real estate deals? How would that change your business? How would that change your life? I've put together a 30-day challenge that will walk you through how to get access to all the private funding you'll ever need at incredibly low interest rates on your terms when you need it. It's called the 500K Challenge. This is the same system I've used to raise over $15 million the past few years. And you're not just going to learn how to raise it. You're going to actually start finding this money yourself within the next 30 days as you go through the challenge. This is the single most important skill any real estate investor needs to have, whether you're flipping houses, buying multifamily properties, wholesaling, or anything else. Jump in and start raising private money now at 500kchallenge.com. I'll see you guys on the inside.